0: live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk, radio. Show. Talk Show.
1: All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refused to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for February the fifth, in the year of our Lord two thousand and twenty-four. This is our one of two, and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio, in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America, as our guide. We absolutely embrace the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. And we reject revolution unless it's a Jesus revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you had a delightful God family country filled weekend. Dr. Scott Bradley's with me. Welcome to the broadcast, sir.
2: Well, howdy, howdy, howdy. Uh, glad to be back. Here it is a new week. Uh, everything is, I, I just baffled every time we get together how quickly these things come around again. But uh, but time flies when you're having fun, so maybe this is a good thing to do.
1: Hey, did you go see The Chosen of the Weekend, sir?
2: I did not, but I read a whole bunch of stuff on it. And um, I, I tell you, there are people that are passionately hateful of it. and There are people that are over the top passionately in favor of it. And uh I I've read so much by the haters and it just doesn't make any sense to me, but uh but you probably saw it, I like your report.
1: I did see it. And it was incredible.
2: Me, I, I've heard that from those that were lovers of it, but uh tell me I am one of so the lovers passionate of it. About it. Yeah. I
1: get the I get the concern and the issues that people have and I understand their hesitation on certain uh, things for example, I know there was a gay flag on set around June that they got kind of you know in a, in a tiff about and everything else and uh, I get that you know you can debate whether Jesus should be um portrayed or uh, anybody should be an actor representing Jesus uh, or if that's sacrilegious. I mean I get all the controversies about it, right but I'm kind of a simpleton, Dr. Bradley. I'm not very intelligent, and so I just kind of do my simpleton ways and here's how it works for me. I go in there and I listen. And I open my heart and I open my mind and I say a prayer. And I say, Lord, if this is good, have it move me. Let the Spirit convey to me the value. And if it's not good, let me know clearly. Tell me right from wrong, Lord. I trust you and I believe in you. And I, and, and I need to know because I, and so if the Spirit of God is stronger when I'm done than when I start, I'm convinced it's a good thing. And if I think it's great, but I along the way get these little pangs of warning, I say it's not good. And so that's kind of how simple I am. It's sixth sense oriented in a way, Holy Ghost driven, if you will. And I just simply say that, you know what? Every time I go, I am touched by the authenticity to the best of our ability without having facts. Like we weren't there, so we don't know. But their effort to follow the scriptures, their effort to bring out things, their effort to research. I'll give you one quick example to make the point. Um they have and I don't want to be a spoiler but I'll try to to avoid the spoilers but they have a um where Jesus is is not born yet and it's 4 years before Christ if you will <clears throat> and uh Mary comes to Elizabeth and Mary's pregnant and you kind of go wait a minute how do you get 4 years and she's pregnant what Well, when you study it and figure it out, it's because the calendars are different. Things didn't start when we thought they did, if you really research history. Very interesting little detail, but the point is they've gone to painstaking research to get it right. Are they perfect? No. Is it, you know, later down the road when we live with God and if we could see the whole scene, will we have it accurate? Probably not because we're human and we're doing our very best without facts, without details. But we're creating from the scriptures to the best of our ability um, this portrayal of the most, one of the most important events in history. And despite the mistakes, despite the errors of men, despite the humanistic or human part of this thing, we're all human, I think they have done a stellar job. And when I go to it, there are touching scenes that give me faith in Christ, hope in Christ, uh, give me a little bit of better understanding about what the issues may have been surrounding decisions made by certain people. The list just goes on and on. Uh, and, and so when I get done, I have a stronger, feeling of christ in my life than when i started and that tells a simpleton like me by their fruits shall you know them uh, that it's good so i went to the theater and i watched the first three episodes of i think it's the fourth season right uh, and it was tremendous and i went for a bunch of reasons one i i want to see it right away two i believe that we need to fund the kind of things that are look of all the material that's out there is it chosen perfect no but have they, I mean, is it worth seeing? Absolutely. It's, a, it's an honest depiction. You know, Jesus Christ superstar or some of these other things in the past, in my mind, were a little bit of a mockery, uh, not intentional to bring out Christ or to focus on Christ. This, I believe, is a genuine attempt. And that's just my opinion. I know people have different opinions, but I'm gonna give it to you straight as I think it, doctor. And that's what I see. That's what I, that's my experience. Now, I will say this. The headline says this. The Chosen season four takes second place at box office. So there you have it. What do you what do you say to that, Doctor? I mean, I'm I'm not completely alone in my beliefs on this thing.
2: No, I am I'm, I'm confident. Everything I've read about it, it was almost I'm mean, you know it, it was second place by a long ways though. I mean, it was quite a ways away from the first place. But the fact of the matter is, here's a few things I like about, it, or at least one. I know we got a good break for a minute here, but You know, virtually everything I have ever seen put out by an institution or Hollywood, churches put it out. Jesus is a cardboard cutout GQ model, right? I mean, he looks like, I mean, you go go take the cardboard cutout, stand it in the middle of a crowd or in the middle of the people he's with. And and he's wrapped in robes from head to toe. Looks like he got tangled up in the drapes. And he's dragging them around. He's going to need a train of people behind him to carry the robes behind him so they don't get so dusty. It's pure white. This is a real human that's there. He's wearing the garb of the traditional people and the the, uh, most people would wear uh, in their daily life. And uh, his face got dirty. He sweat. And, and he's among the people, and and he feels with them, and he acts with. Them. He danced in the first uh, season, if you remember that, when at a marriage ceremony, and um, that's and, right. Th- the kinds of things, it just to me, I think that we sometimes we make Jesus this, uh, oh I don't know, a cardboard cutout, like I say, that's a GQ model, you know, I don't know. GQ. I don't know if I've ever seen a GQ ma- magazine, but I've, I've heard of them. You know where they have these, these perfect features and the perfect beard cut and the perfect haircut, and and this Jesus mixes it up with the people. He stands among them, he embraces them, he helps the people, and they weep with him, and he weeps with them. And uh, that, to me, is absolutely a closer depiction. I believe to what our Savior did. He walked among us on the dusty paths of of Jerusalem, and well, the whole Palestinian area. And and he he, he ate the common food, the barley bread and the fishes. And he he was he was there to experience life as as those he was saving were experienced life. He was in a country that was oppressed a country that had been uh, captured by the Romans, a country that had been thrashed and beaten up for decades. Now, again, they kind of, I'd not say deserved it, but they they kind of broke the code that uh, Moses gave them to begin with. They were righteous. They were going to get milk and honey. If they weren't, they were going to get their butts kicked. And they did have their butts kicked lots of times. And so that, to me, is amazing. No institution that I have ever seen... Or no Hollywood, no movie, no church, no nothing has ever put out any kind of uh, depiction of the Savior that looked anything like what real life was and i I think that was fantastic i I do believe that uh you know this this gay flag thing, holy cow, it was a little three inch flag standing on somebody's Audio equipment or some stupid thing. Yeah, and so here's
1: uh, the point. They're making it into a big issue as if somehow the crew and the whatever, you know, are promoting the gay agenda. It's not true at all. And what they want to do is get you caught in the mire. No matter what you choose, you can't do right. And what they're saying is, look, somebody put up a little stupid flag. That whether they should have put it up or not, we're not going to go ahead and get into that. We back all people. If everybody wants to come unto Christ, that's good. This is a movie about Christ. And they really sidestepped it like that. They make you believe that they promoted the gay agenda. I don't see it that way. I see it that they just simply wanted to avoid the controversy and the derailing, and the media put a magnifying glass on that thing and pretend
2: that it was something that it clearly was not. I saw a picture of the flag. It, it was on a little tripod kind of thing, uh, stuck in the leg of it or something like that. And and you ask yourself, okay, so you got a Bible probably sitting somewhere on your close to you. I've got one. Do you think hey, that Bible was printed? Do you think that Bible was printed 100% by true believing Christians? No, oh, then no. we can get into the discussion. Jesus yeah, certainly not. not. He's not an evangelical Christian in this movie. The man that depicts Jesus is a uh, is a catholic i think but but i mean the fact of the matter is we we interact with people every day and and i've been considered to not and be christian and it doesn't enough. mean
1: that we agree with everything they do whether we're kind to them or not
2: that's right but the fact is that that if you said well my pastor is the only one that's that's on track and everybody else is going to hell And I'm not going to buy my groceries from anybody that doesn't go to my pastor's church or whatever. Figure it out. I mean, you uh, you can see I'm making a ludicrous statement. But the fact of the matter is, um, I don't think they're giving a uh, voice to the LGBTQWXYZ movement. I think somebody saw a flag, made a big deal out of it, and maybe uh, maybe somebody else was wearing a, a cross that they didn't agree with or whatever. I mean... People are just...
1: Yeah, they want to divide and derail from the success of the movie. Satan wants to absolutely confuse everyone over this. Uh, I'm telling you right now, I think it's a brilliant depiction. Like I say, I'm not telling you that it's 100% accurate. It's the best, um, I don't know what you want to call it, scriptorial guided guess we can deliver uh, about the Savior's life and who he was and what he stood for and what he did. Uh, And, you know, a lot of people that I've heard of watch the first one, and because it's confusing at the first, they kind of stop and go, oh, that's kind of boring. you got to, in my opinion, watch the first one, watch several of them, and then go back and watch the first one again because the knowledge that you gain, the attention to detail that you discover uh, is just incredible. Uh, And so at first, you know, there's a lot of people on the scene and you're not really sure who's who you're not kind of familiar with the characters. And um, they start out with each episode in the beginning. They kind of snap back to something B.C. with a relevant discussion relating to the Savior's life. So the point is to tap early scripture and prophecy about the Savior and, and kind of highlight that with the episode at hand. That can be a little bit confusing too if you if you don't know the scriptures that well and so at first it kind of can seem confusing but you got to give a little bit of chance you got to settle in and understand the characters you got to and then you start to realize the genius of this where they literally put real situations in front of you and how the savior would respond to them why did he heal some and not others is one of the great questions uh, and know, it depicts I, that throughout the whole series it's just incredible about the reasoning and the thought and are we right on every one of them of course not. But we do know that the Savior healed some and not others, and it's a very honest attempt to answer those questions. Uh, anyway, just brilliant, in my opinion, in its delivery, in its effort, and there will be as it continues to gain more and more and more momentum, bringing people to Christ. Um, it's going to get more and more attacked. Just write it down. But for now, no, The Chosen Season 4 takes second place in the box office. It's incredible in terms of its of its delivery. Now, here's the cool part. So they have now realized the value of the theaters and the value of uh, and so what they do is they have a, a, I don't know what you want to call it, if you could call it a chosen marathon or whatever. But uh, they show three episodes at a time in the theaters, and it takes literally like three and a half hours or something like that. So it's a, it's a ripping long, good thing. Um, and they released the first three episodes of season four. I just watched it last Saturday, two days ago. Uh, and then in a, couple of, a month or so, then they're releasing the next three in theaters, and then the next three in theaters. And you can really watch it in theaters. Um, a lot of people are waiting to do it at home for free. I'm doing it at the theater for a reason. I want to make this go viral. I want to fund this. I want to make, okay? And, and so we really need to think of it that way. If we want the right things to take flight in America, we better back them, and we've got an incredible opportunity now, Doctor.
2: Well, it sounds like some really good <clears throat> a good wisdom behind your plan, and... and um... I just don't know where the theaters are. I think I kind of live in an agnostic area or something like that. I'm going to have to look kind of hard to find it, I'm afraid. But that's the thing with me is that, uh, you know, if I kind of live at the end of the row in terms of, you know, the crops that are planted. And, and uh, we have a university that's a big footprint in our community. And and it really does, it has created an agnostic kind of uh, atmosphere in our, in our uh, uh, little towns. You know, it's interesting. There's so many things. I was just reflecting as you were talking. So many of the uh, the little vignettes that happen that uh, that I say, "Oh, that's my favorite." No, no, no. This one's my favorite. No. Oh, wh- well, what about that one? And you know, it, it's really hard for me to be able to uh, say, "Wow, that that's the one." You know, it's not. There's just one little snippet after another that they seem to really hit a home run on. In no and- question. And, and, and the fact is that, I mean, there's some of them are just very quiet, private moments. Like you think about Nicodemus meeting with Jesus and accept uh, a man, be born of the water and the spirit. And, you know, the, that little exchange. Here is one of the wise men of his day. The, I mean, he, he went by night. I guess he was kind of ashamed or something in, in the scriptures, you know. he went. I think Jesus he wasn't God.
1: ashamed. I think he was scared.
2: That's probably true.
1: Of the repercussions. But you know what's
2: interesting to me? People say, "Oh, well, we hope Nicodemus came around." Nicodemus was one of the guys that came and got, took care of the dead body. I think he Jesus, absolutely you know.
1: had already come around. So in the in yeah, the ben chosen, what it depicts in the first episode, it shows Nicodemus try to cast these evil spirits out of what we but, know as Mary Magdalene.
2: But that's an well, anyway, go ahead. That, and that's so he, something they kind of wrote in.
1: <laughs> it is something they wrote in. And this is my point, though, that, you know what, they did their very best, though, to put things in ways that would be understandable. Are they right on this? We don't know some of those things. And That'll you could right. say, well, that license to put things in there we don't know is the wrong part. I know, but you've got to tell a story. And how much historical fiction can we put together versus what, you know, how close can we stick to the narrative but yet tell the story? And so when, when, when these things are done. I don't believe they're done to change the narrative. They're done really to try to make a holistic picture that you can understand and see. And uh, otherwise we're missing too much information a lot of times. But in the first one, Nicodemus basically fails to cast out demons out of Mary. Uh, And so it basically shows the whole establishment. They put their faith and hope in Nicodemus. He was the teacher of teachers, if you will. Uh, and, and, And he couldn't get it done. And He walked away just marveling, going, you know what? Maybe some things are out of the reach of human you know, protection or intervention. There, there's nothing we can humanly do for her now. And that's a very interesting statement for him to make because eventually then at the end of season or the end of episode one, and I feel like I'm not really breaking anything now. It's been out so long. If you haven't seen it, I'm not spoiling anything for you. You're spoiling is not going to see it. But um, the Savior puts his hand on Mary's uh, and, and heals her. And uh, so now we know that it's beyond human ability to do so, according to Nicodemus himself. And that sets the stage then for Nicodemus to learn about who the Savior is uh, and understand and believe. And I'm convinced that Nicodemus believed. I just think he was scared to let others know for fear of the retribution. It's kind of like a lot of the slave owners would release their slaves on their deaths because they were really against slavery. Uh, But they did their best to be good to their slaves and kind of keep it under wraps until their death because they were fearful of the repercussions. You know, do you want your plantation to be destroyed, and do you want everything to melt down? Do you want the slaves to, to be free, but yet not have any ability to care for themselves? I mean, it's it's a complicated issue. Now, I'm not defending slavery. Don't misunderstand the point. I'm just telling you that in in circumstances of life, oftentimes things are done for different reasons than you may think. And, and I'm so anyway. I, I go off on all these different things because there's so many touching instances of examples of. Uh, and then you know, Nicodemus goes to Mary after the fact and says, "Hey, what happened here?" Do you remember me? Yes, she does. And you know what, what went on? I don't know. I don't even know his name, but I know he has authority of God because of what he did for me. Uh, and, and so over and over, do we see this faith filled understanding of, you know what? I don't know the whole story. I don't understand how all this is happening and I don't understand who he is. And, and I think that was genuinely the, the understanding there is, Hey, there's something unique about this, this Jesus. But we, we just can't get our arms around it. We don't dare call him the Chosen One, because if we do, it's sacrilegious. I mean, it's we're, we're off the rails. How dare we? On the other hand, we don't see any other, but we see all things pointing to that reality. Anyway, just incredible stuff. Sorry to keep going on about this, Dr. Bradley. I am one of the passionate supporters of the Chosen, as you can tell.
2: No, I can't believe it a minute. But, you know, it's interesting. I... Uh, you know, this is kind of maybe shifting gears, but maybe not. One of the things about me th- that I see in the scriptures is a lot of the people that are kind of always, oh, that guy's really off track. He's broken, whatever. And maybe I identify yeah, that's with the me, broken man. ones. <laughs> maybe, I I, that. I, maybe I do. I mean, you think about the the prodigal son. I mean, here's the faithful son that was ever there and everything like that. Prodigal son went out, squandered his his inheritance, everything like that. Father welcomed him back, and the prodigal son was the one griping and grumbling and moaning in the background. Who's greater sin? you know I mean we have you know I would love to be welcomed back and and you look at the the woman at the the well, the Samaritan woman I mean, here's a woman that has a very unpleasing life and and there's Jesus, I came to talk to you, yeah, you're the one I wanted to see, and it's like ha. Huh. You are the one, you know, kind of thing. I mean, I think that sometimes the most broken people can give the greater gratitude because some people think... Then there's
1: serious hope for me, doctor. This is good news. Well, I,
2: I would say, now, here's the deal. A lot of people think they got it made in the shade, so to speak. You know, I set up chairs at church every week, and I I, I gave the opening prayer last Sunday, say... I mean, I didn't, okay? but, But this is what people start... They think that, oh, I'm... Maybe I'm a little holier than thou. I took a loaf of bread to my neighbor or whatever. And it's kind of like you get a little, little, little I'm, not, I'm not saying those are bad activities, but what I'm saying is that a lot of times we get thinking we're going to make it without the Lord. And I got news for everybody. It's by his grace that we're saved. And I don't care how stinking good you think you are, you're not good enough. And sometimes we get a little bit self-sufficient. We get a little arrogant. We get a little bit maybe proud, shall we say? Now I'm not saying that I don't have a pride problem. I'm saying that sometimes, well, eh, pride is. Well, so George, the seen George in other Foreman
1: people. movie highlights your point so well. George, his mom is basically saying, "Thank God that you were able to do this thing for us. Bring us food." In the beginning, they were starving, and so as George Foreman makes it as a boxer and stuff, he has plenty of food in this big old thing, and they have a party and. And the the mom's like, you know, thank God for this. And, and George is like, God, I got this money. I'm the one that got you this ripping food. I'm the boss. And his mom's just like shaking her head going, oh, boy. Well, anyway, eventually George Foreman comes around. We're all going to have that moment, doctor.
2: Well, there's no question. Like I was saying, the pride is so easily seen in someone else, but so difficult to see in yourself. And And that's one of the things that I like about, well, I mean, Obviously, we haven't had this portion, I don't think, yet in The Chosen. But but when Jesus is sitting at the Last Supper and, and he says, one of these guys is going to betray me. And the the introspection that everybody immediately does is, Lord, is it I? Is it I? See, instead of saying, oh, I'll bet it's him. Oh, I always thought he was kind of a snake. No, they looked inside. And I think that's the, so many lessons to be had in the scriptures that will help us look inside. Uh, I don't know if they did this in the the ones you just saw, but the the rich young man that came and said, hey, how do I get eternal life? Jesus says, do this, this, and this. Hey, I've been doing this my whole life. Jesus says, sell all you have and come follow me. He called the shot that that man needed to have called. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, riches is your problem, and it's my problem, and it's everybody's problem. But but he saw what the man needed. Now, my opinion is, is it, this is a bigger thing than, than a lot of people give it. I personally believe, and this is my speculation is all, and people can criticize it and say, no, it ain't that, and I'm okay with that. But <clears throat> I personally think that Jesus loved this young man because of his goodness. And, and he was calling him to the apostleship. He was calling to be with the 12. And he was saying, hey, sell everything, and come be with us. We we need someone of your character here, and and the young man went away sorrowing, because he had many riches. But the fact of the matter is, where do we fall that way? I mean, could God, I mean he could absolutely no question make the call of the shot. Hey Bradley, this is what you need. Or I mean, this yeah, big for long sure. list, right? But but that's the thing is we need to do that introspection with the help of God, and figure out what it'll take to make us better. Followers, better disciples. That's what a disciples. Amen. We, we also need
1: to follower. realize too that that man went away in sorrow. We don't know the rest of the story, though. We think, oh my no. gosh, he he's lost. He went away. He's gone. I don't necessarily believe that either. He might, might have be. come back. He might have changed. He might have. Uh, let's not. Let's leave the judgment up to the Lord. Is what I'm trying to get at. All right, hang tight, yeah. Doctor Scott Bradley and Sam Bushman on the One and Only Liberty Roundtable Live.
0: Pursuing Liberty. Using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Tim Berg. A powerful Pacific storm is continuing to slam the West Coast with parts of Southern California now under an extreme flash flood risk. The Weather Prediction Center is warning of life-threatening flash flooding from Monterey to Los Angeles. The National Weather Service saying the event is going to produce heavy rain, strong winds, high surf, and heavy snow and high elevations over California for the next few days. US gas prices jumped six cents this week to a national average of three dollars and twenty four cents. Gas analyst Troby Lundberg of the Lundberg survey shares which US cities had the lowest and highest gas prices.
2: Among the
1: metro areas we surveyed on February two, Cheyenne is a low at two fifty two for regular and the highest Los Angeles area 60. We have 3.01 in Minneapolis, 3.16 in Atlanta, 3.17 in Baltimore, and 4.56 in Honolulu.
0: That audio courtesy of Fox News. As Texas continues to see a record number of illegal immigrants at the U.S. southern border, causing the state to put up razor wire and other border barriers, South Dakota Republican Governor Kristi Noem joins Fox News to discuss...
2: We're deploying all of our resources
0: that we have to support Texas. And remember, Democrats have been encouraging this president. They've been encouraging
1: President Biden to come after our state's rights. They've been talking about federalizing our National Guard,
0: which would be the first time in American history that we would have a president that would pay soldiers to stand down to actually not protect America jury deliberations are beginning monday in the involuntary manslaughter trial of jennifer crumbly she is the mother of ethan crumbly who shot and killed four classmates and injured seven others at oxford high school in michigan in november of 2021 this is usa news progressive presents flo and jamie announcing a monster truck rally and here comes the obliterator whoa and he's up on two wheels <laughs> that can't be safe Uh, I don't recommend flipping your car backwards. Did he even check his blind spot? And the car's on fire. I definitely don't recommend that. This is one of my recurring nightmares. Progressive is all about keeping it safe, so bundle your home and auto for 24-7 protection. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Coverage not provided for monster trucks. Not available in all states. Omaha Steaks Burger Perfection Flight, made from single cuts of real, aged Omaha steaks, rewrites the book on burgers. Go to omahasteaks.com, use promo code TREAT at checkout for an extra $20 off your order, plus free shipping when you order the $79.99 Burger Perfection Flight, a fantastic array of pure ground steak-on-a-bun burger greatness. For $20 off the Burger Perfection Flight, use promo code TREAT at checkout at omahasteaks.com and discover your new burger obsession. Minimum order may be required. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right,
1: back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. The Chosen Season 4 takes second at the box office, continuing to shock those who don't believe in Christ. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, but all I can tell you is we could talk about The Chosen for days because it's just wonderful stuff. But let's move along to other topics, and we'll keep mentioning The Chosen as it makes sense to do so on the show. But for now, uh, shame is the only way I know how to describe this. Uh, So I put shame colon at the head of the headline. (laughs) Senators unveil border deal to unlock the Ukraine. Now, Karen Demergen wrote this piece, and I don't really even understand the headline because, uh, look, I say shame on them all for this. After months of talks, a small group of Republicans and Democrats produced the text of a supposed plan to crack down on migration. But it faces an uphill battle for enactment. Anyway, it's a 118.3 million dollar deal or whatever like this. And it's just billion dollar deal, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Let's say I guess nothing can be in the millions these days. Yeah, it's an 18.3 billion dollar deal. Yeah, I guess so. Wow. huh? Uh, anyway, and the bottom line with this whole thing is they somehow believe that they can, in my opinion, do the disaster. And let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, Mike Johnson and others said, look, what we're going to do is we're going to do single issue bills at a time, transparently up or down votes, and we're going to vote for and fund the proper role of government. We've got a bunch of bills. We're going to do them one at a time. We're going to rock and roll. That is the real plan, because then you can know where people stand on given issues. And it can be flat out up or down on a single issue vote. That's the way to do it and the way our founding fathers intended it to be. Now what they do is they create these omnibus spending bills. And in this case, it's not um, too many issues maybe, but they've merged together. Why do I need to deal with the border of the United States and the Ukraine and either yay or nay on the subterfuge, on, on on the confusion of this thing? Okay, I don't want to have these two bills linked together at all. And that's why some are so critical, such as myself, and they're saying it's a non starter. It's not going to pass for this very reason, doctor. This is insane. I don't want to fund any money for the Ukraine, but I do want to shut down illegal activity on our border. I can't get this done with the current landscape the Republicans are trying to now shove down our throats, right?
2: There is so much wrong with this bill that we could take a couple, two or three hours really looking at this. This is made by traitors and cowards, and they're trading our freedom away. I mean, first of all, the Ukraine thing should not be linked to anything because it does not deserve to be on the table at all. End of discussion. It is no longer an issue that should even be discussed. It never should have been to begin with, but let's stop it now. I mean, the billions, uh, 60 billion, if I recall correctly, that they're going to send to Ukraine. They've been doing just fine without us. I mean, come on. Back off, baby. The idea, okay, here's here's the thing, though. This is absolutely absurd. They're going to canonize, if you will. They're going to make legal 5,000 illegals crossing the border a day. Folks, you know, they say, oh, it's a million and a half illegals that's going to be made legal with this thing. No, do the math. 365 times 5,000. It's over... $1.8 $1.8 eight million. This is an absolute sellout of American sovereignty, and these imbecilic buffoons that put this on the table should all be removed from office. There is not a shred of value. And here's the deal. We're horse trading all the time. Hey, I'll give you this if you'll give me that. And everybody's at the goodie box trying to get their little hog feed. And the fact of the matter is, in the process, we're losing everything the nation stands for. There isn't a shred of authority to do the sellout that they're doing with this thing. Biden saying, oh, we're going to make the border more secure. Bravo, Sierra. That uh, 1.8 million people a year can come in illegally, and we're good with that?
1: Yeah, they're saying but it's really, they're guessing it's millions. more like 2 million every, ever since Joe Biden started this. It's over 6 million now.
2: Well, but, but, but the number they're coming up with is just under that, Sam. And and this idea that we're going to send billions upon billions, and the whole Ukrainian thing is our fault. I mean, we could go into that at great detail also, but we are the ones that started that. And it didn't just start with the coup that Obama supported in 2014. It started when we started our inextricable march to the Russian border with our NATO alignments, and we continue to make that march. And it got to the point, Putin says, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm not going to lose Vladivostok. I'm not going to lose my port. And and the, that's the problem, kids, is every time we turn around, we are the one poking the bear in the nose. And I'm not saying And they saying talk that about critical security
1: aid to the, to the um, Ukraine. I don't believe that it's critical or security aid. I believe it's literally funding unconstitutional, unjust war, putting enemies. Uh, in uh, the driver's seat with with funding and training and arms and to just wreak more havoc, Doctor.
2: We're the biggest exporter of death and destruction in the world, and and when you say, oh man, and it's horrid. I trust me, the heartbreak that happens when our three of our service members get killed in a rocket attack that's in Jordan, and and what what do we do? First of all, we've got them where they shouldn't be. We put our people in harm's way is what we did. You say, well, uh, you know, we've got to have a presence around the world. We're out there thumbing our nose at everybody. We, we start enough fights. Sooner or later, somebody's going to throw a punch. Somebody's going to get their nose broken. It just happened. They killed three of our people. And so now we've, we've got a houthi thing going and we've got... But why would you, if you're
1: answer. a Republican or a constitutionalist of any kind, why would you be willing to even allow or consider two... Two things to happen. One, these two bills to be together. What does the border have to do with the Ukraine? The answer, nothing. So why are these linked together and why are they allowing that? That, That's problem one. Problem two is why are we – they say that Senate – listen, Senate Republicans and Democrats on Sunday – okay, the Senate's not even the right body for these kind of funding bills to originate in. Constitutionally, doesn't it need to originate in the House?
2: Article 1, Section 7, go read it again, kids. I mean, and then here, here's the deal. It's not just Ukraine. First of all, we're more interested in Ukraine's border than we are in our own. What an absurd thing. Same with Korea, same with Iraq, same with, you know, all across well, the we're world. We're in
1: 130 nations militarily, concerned more about their borders than our own.
2: And, and so it's not just $60 billion for Ukraine. It's $14 billion for Israel. There's another issue. And then we got 10 billion for humanitarian assistance for civilians. Wait, why why are we doing that? Why
1: are we dealing with Israel? Why are we Okay, and the point is when they get into these multi-billion dollar omnibus spending bills, everybody puts their own pork, their own whatever agenda in there. And so do you want to support the border? Oh, well, then you should have voted for this bill. No, I don't want to support the border at the expense of Ukraine and spending 118 billion dollars on stuff I disagree with. I want up or down single issue votes, doctor.
2: And until we get well, there, you can't be clear about anything except for you have to vote no all the time. Well, that that is the problem is that they put this in one of those you know uh, conundrums that that basically you give all bad answers. You know, it's a multiple choice question. Would you rather be shot, hanged, stabbed, or Dragged to death behind a truck. None of the above is good. Yeah, that's right. And so I don't want to
1: fund this bill at all. I say everybody should vote no, and so you guys are off your rock. And I think this is a chance for the constitutional, if there are any, uh House Republicans to stand up and jealously guard their authority and say, look, first off, this bill's dead on arrival. And let me explain to you the reasons that it's dead on arrival. Number one, we're supposed to come up with the spending bills, not the Senate. Okay? Second issue is, hey, a, a, a small group of senators meeting with the president to hammer this bill out? No, thank you. That's not how it works. Third, we're dealing with single-issue bills, and we're not going to fund the Ukraine when we're talking about our border. Okay, we're going to deal with our border, and we're going to talk about what needs to be done on our border, and we're going to come up with a plan in the House, and we're going to see if the Senate goes along. And, yes, we can negotiate between the House and the Senate when the time comes to, to, to hammer out the final legislative reality here. But let's deal with a single issue issue bill and and let's realize these things originate in the house this is a real chance for the republicans to educate doctor for the conservatives to educate if they just will
2: and that's why we won't support this
1: bill sir that's why very clear very simple
2: there is nothing right about this bill but but to tell you the truth i mean it's so reminiscent of everything i mean i remember back in the 90s when we did the so-called assault weapons ban Right after that, I met with uh, our Senator Orrin Hatch and uh, our Congressman Jim Hansen. And, and uh, we are just grumbling and griping. I, that's as nice as I can put it on your radio program to them about what the heck are you thinking? And they said, oh, it was as good as we could get. And I said, bravo. No, that's a lie. I said, it, I said it a little bit differently than that. I said, what it was, was they met it as bad as they could and still get your vote, because they voted for it. Okay, The people that were pushing for these, the destruction of the Second Amendment made it as hey, go ahead and bad as the they could. They made it as bad as they could in order to get a couple of yo-yo, dodo head, doe brains to vote for it. And anyway, I pray this me... bill's
1: dead on arrival is the whole oh, point, God. ladies and gentlemen. Listen, I'm gonna hold Mike Johnson and others to their promise. I want single-issue bills. How much is it going to take to secure our border? What is the plan to uphold the rule of law in this country? And I want to talk about and focus on nothing else when that's the bill in front of me. Period. End of paragraph. Nothing.
2: Here's the deal. Mike Johnson's going to bring a single-issue bill up that's going to fund the Israeli war.
1: And then then we want to vote against it and say no. And
2: we could say over our dead body, but here's the deal. These people think they have the authority to fund these things, and they do not. And that's the problem is is that you, you get them saying, well, I did just what you wanted, a single issue bill, what's wrong with you, man? No, you st- still don't, you've crossed another line here. You could make a single issue train bill or, or a single issue, you know, anything that's outside your job description is a no vote. That's the bottom line.
1: Well, and that's what we need to highlight, and that's the part of the education that I'm talking about. First, you teach people that, look, we're not going to have multiple-issue bills, period. Secondly, you teach people, hey, you got to have funding originate in the House. The third thing you need to say is you can only pass bills that relate to within your scope of authority. Things that are outside of your scope of authority, you don't have the ability or right to even vote on or pass or promote or fund or anything else. So this is the education that I'm talking about, and I just say shame on these people because, again, if I vote no, I'm just a bad guy. I'm always no on everything. I'm never helping anybody. But I can't vote yes on a bill like this. It's disaster. It's $118 billion for all kinds of stuff we absolutely disagree with. So I'm left with no choice to vote no on this. But when I vote no, it's, I'm obligated, in my opinion, to explain publicly my reasoning and get a, a group of individuals that are saying the same thing, which is we've got to have single-issue bills. You can't vote outside of your scope of authority. In other words, you can't just make anything law that you want to. You've got limits and bounds according to the supreme law of the land. That's why we want to chain you down with the Constitution. And a, a no vote's important, but what's more important than, than even a no vote in my mind is the education about how the process works and what we should be standing for and with and why. You bring up a single issue on Israel and say, should we vote to fund Israel? I'm going to vote no, and then you're going to say it was a single issue, and I'm going to say you're right. However, you have no authority to fund foreign aid and rip money from the wallets of good honest Americans you've got inflation that's a massive problem due to your dishonest money scam and you've also now you're trying to get me to fund foreign aid there's no authority for me to go wreak havoc in these other nations zero authority we're breaching the sovereignty of other countries and we should not be spending money on this issue at all because it means less money in the the hands of Americans and more money in the hands of the quote military industrial complex war machine that's the problem here see every time we need to really get a group of people that'll hold press conferences on every one of these things and hold the line, doctor.
2: Well, that, absolutely. And, and, and The wholeness of this bill has really not been fully uh, elucidated. And we got $4.83 in the bill for allies. Who the heck is that? To deter aggression by the time government in the Indo-Pacific region. What the heck is that? Are we going to arm the filipinos and have them go against china i don't know they got um, they got uh, well that's insane everything million.
1: we talk about is insane when we go down these roads
2: absolutely you, every refugees, bit of it you're breaking
1: up quite a bit doctor in Ukraine. um all i can tell you is this absolutely tell everyone no on this bill it's a disaster to say the least it's literally criminal for them to do this doctor
2: indeed uh, uh this has got to be dead on arrival, absolutely, unequivocally. I'm just hoping that sanity somehow prevails again in the in our legislature. They, they just aren't doing it. All right. If all. you can try
1: to see if we can get Dr. Bradley on a phone or something like that, he's just breaking up too much. That would be phenomenal. Um, in the meantime, though, one more issue that I want to cover before the end of the hour with Dr. Scott. There's always just too many great topics and not enough time to cover them. At Border Rally, fearing invasion... And Civil War. J. David Goodman writes the piece that I'm talking about now. And he talks about that a conservative convoy gathered on the Texas border to support the state's defiant stance on immigration, ladies and gentlemen. Despite worries over the potential violence, it turned out to be peaceful. I'm grateful for that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm grateful that it remained peaceful. But I will tell you this. I believe that the government allowed it to remain peaceful. I believe that the enemies of liberty allowed it to be peaceful um, for a a different reason. Despite worries over potential violence, they say, the event was peaceful. And that's great news, folks. I'm grateful for that. I don't want any violence or anything else, but I'm telling you, this could have gone wrong just as easily as it went right. And believe it or not, the people in charge, the people in control are the ones that decide this. So they allowed it to remain peaceful, and I'm grateful for that. They say a line of trucks, campers, cars, and vans from South Dakota and North Carolina, Washington, and Pennsylvania snaked over all kinds of roads and converged. And then they talk about Cuamato, Texas, and they went to this rural place, and they had these events. And uh, anyway, there you have it. But I'm glad that it remained peaceful. I was predicting that it might not be peaceful. I was wrong. I'll be glad to admit that I was wrong. But I will say this. Don't get your confidence too high that we can have peaceful events. Um, They allowed this to be peaceful, but they could have as easily as they wanted to turned it into a train wreck. Uh, Dr. Bradley, your comments on this convoy that I'm grateful was peaceful.
2: Well, I just rejoined you. Apparently, you were breaking up terribly to me, and I was breaking up terribly to you. And apparently, somewhere on my connection, it was probably bad. It sounded bad, and I was bad. So I didn't get your whole commentary on this, but it sounds like there was a... uh...
1: Yeah, basically, they had the big border event, and uh, it turned out peaceful. A lot of people feared invasion and civil war, but they say it turned out all peaceful. And I'm saying that's great. I wasn't predicting this would be peaceful. Um, but I'm glad that it was, but I'm also saying now though, that understand just because this one was peaceful, that means the powers that be, let it be peaceful. They could have ran it off the rails in a second if they chose to don't get too cocky and think we can have peaceful events whenever we want to, because I don't believe it's true anymore.
2: Well, that, that's the thing is that, uh, they'll make it as bad as they want it to be regardless. I mean, this is, this is one of those things where they take, you know, reading on, um, you know, okay, if we pulled this, we pulled that. What? How are we going to use this latest emergency? Whatever, they make a calculation and then they they push it that direction. Again, it's it's like that thing I told you about earlier, where uh, the uh, uh, our senator and congressman said that uh, it was as good as they could get, and I said no, it was as bad as they could get it and still have you yo-yos uh, vote for it. And so that's kind of the way it is. It's manipulated. Uh, everybody counts their votes. They count their you know the the outcome they want, and they review it, and they make they make it what they want it to be. And uh, I think a little bit of the the issue was probably tempered by the uh, trucker convoy in Canada that happened back during the the pandemic nonsense, where uh, where all of the actions by the Canadian government are now being kind of basically reversed and and found fault with in the, in the court system in Canada. They're recognizing there's there's blowback on that too so i think that they weren't just quite ready to do what could have been done i guess but but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen someday you know so keep our ears to the ground and our antennas up
1: and they say despite worries of potential violence the event was peaceful and i'm grateful for that and i hope it stays peaceful at the border but i don't have a lot of confidence in that doctor
2: no, I I don't either, and uh, and Biden is making noises like he's going to nationalize the National Guard, huh? I mean, if you look, you know, the Article One, Section Eight talks about this activity. Now, the National Guard isn't the militia, and we've got to be very clear about this at all times. But they try and equate the National Guard to the militia. The militia is everybody, okay? But uh, but but the people that want to limit the Second Amendment to the National Guard capability because because they're conflating militia and national guard. Uh, George Mason, one of the principal authors of the Second Amendment, says the militia is everybody except for a few elected officials. And so, so, but, but Biden is saying I'm going to I'm going to nationalize the national guard and then I'm going to tell them to stand down. I'll activate them and tell them to stay home, sit in their, you know, barbecue and whatever, and I'll pay. Yeah, them and I don't do think it. the president
1: has authority to do that.
2: <clears throat> I don't either. It'd be the first time in history in all of our history. Now the National Guard's only been around for about 120 years. But uh which but proves again, it wasn't they, it wasn't
1: the militia in the first place.
2: Correct. The Dick Act is what brought it about and we could talk at some length about that. But the point of the matter is the uh everything is in a it's in a spin and everybody's trying to spin this You know, and whether it's people that are unconstitutionally candidates for the presidency or it's the ability of states to secede or it has to do with anything, which we we don't support, by the way. But the fact of the matter is it's constitutional, for crying out loud. It always has been, except for since Lincoln's days, they said, no, it isn't anymore. But it's always been that way. That's been the basis of our liberty. I mean, whether it's from oh, I don't know, the Northwest Ordinance of 1787 on forward. What was taught at West Point, what uh, John Quincy Adams spoke about. I mean, these people, I mean, John Quincy Adams was absolutely a a unionist, if you will, but he recognized that this is a voluntary uh, association and, and the states should have their independence to do as they wish with that i hope they never do i hope there was always somebody that's going to fix this but anyway I, i'm diverging a little bit from this convoy that they had but but people need to understand that the what we're being told today is generally not true i mean we are generally in complete, We we've absolved ourselves of even having to follow the constitution anymore you mentioned earlier sam the senate came up with a spending bill huh How'd that happen? The House has that responsibility, and that's the reason And that's why I say
1: the House members need to stand up and educate and jealously guard their responsibility here. They've got a real opportunity, but they're already squandering it because I haven't seen a single thing. I'm the first person that I know to bring this up. Yeah,
2: well— I hope there's others. Well, I I hope there is too, but if there were somebody listening out there that could call into their congressman and senator and say— Hey, you guys have got this fast backwards. This is not the way that this is supposed to be done. We need to start following the letter of the law and the spirit of the law, and they collate together in the way the founders put it together.
1: Amen to that. We'll talk about that more final headline before the end of the hour. February is Black History Month, Doctor, 2024. You ready to celebrate?
2: You know, I, 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 this is a long story too. We only got a couple of minutes left, I know, but uh, but this idea of fragmentation and splitting and and trying to get up one-upsmanship on everything and everything nuts what on prague a, people. A white a white congressional caucus and a you know an Asian congressional caucus. I mean, these is, this is all Marxist Bravo Sierra again, and the idea. I had uh, it's a long story. Uh, I, I know, I knew a, a young captain that was uh, dishonorably discharged from the military because he wanted to do a white history month. Yeah, and shut him went, right down, the racist. What? What? Yeah. What happened was, of course, <laughs> the AAEO group is is made up of people that are absolutely skewed the other direction. And he went in and says, "Let's do this too." And they said, they laughed. They says. What can you think of that's worthy of report that the whites have ever done? That's, that's the response they gave him.
1: I want American history. Well, no, And I want it year-round.
2: Uh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> the fact <laughs> is that what Washington wanted, American, is the name that we should be known by, not by our skin color, the, the darkness or lightness of our, of our coloration in our skin. The
1: way God uh, made us. We shouldn't divide over that. We should celebrate the American ideal. The principles Absolutely. that made America great, and that should be our greatest export, ladies and gentlemen. Let's educate ourselves and turn to God Almighty and do our very best and trust in the Almighty for the rest, shall we? Hour one in the can. Dr. Scott Bradley, sun.com. Thank you, sir.
2: Thank you all. Everybody stay safe today.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, stand against this psychotic border bill. It's bogus. All right, hang tight. Hour one in the can. Two coming up. God save the Republic of the United States of America.